Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, here we go. It's time for another Sal Sports and Stuff Bills 2019 Rewind podcast. And this one, tough to do because it was tough to watch back. The Cleveland Browns, a loss, 1916. The Bills, every opportunity to win this game botching it at the end of the game. We're going to talk about all of this. This was a tough one to take. Not a good day to be a Bills fan. Going into the game, yeah, I know, underdogs by three points. The Browns had all this talent. They did not have a good start to their season. They were reeling. They still had a chance. People saw their schedule basically lighten up, if you will, after this and felt, oh, if they can get by the Bills. But the Bills have been playing well, 6-2 and two, coming into the game. This, uh, this was not a good day. Because the Bills had plenty of opportunities, as I said. They squandered them in so many ways, which we're going to talk about. So I spent time watching this game. And of all the games that I've gone and rewound so far to watch for this podcast, this may have been the one where I had to go back a few different times on different plays and say, what the hell happened there? And a few different times went and watched the coach's film after some plays and said, what the hell happened there? Can I see it on the coach's film? That's how frustrating it was how maddening it was to see that they just could not capitalize and win against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, It was a game that, you know, didn't define the Bills' season. They didn't have to win it necessarily. It's a non-division game. They've been playing well. They were 6-2 and coming into the game, as I said. You know, playing pretty well. Had just come off the win against Washington, but not really, you know, playing all that great. I should say they weren't playing really well in their three previous games, Miami, Philly, Washington. Uh, But also, you knew that, This was a Browns team, again, that had talent, that could bite you, but man, there was disarray, there was dysfunction, and the big story leading into the game for the Browns, on their side especially, was the lack of Odell Beckham getting involved in the offense, and how they had to start getting involved, they had to start getting him involved, especially in the red zone, and you knew, you just knew coming into this game, that the Browns were going to make a concerted effort to get Odell Beckham Jr. the football. That was the deal, and I said a few times, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to change their season in one way or another. Either they're going to get him the ball and he's going to score and he's going to have a really good day and it's going to turn things around or he's really going to go off because they couldn't do it and it's even going to spiral even more out of control. Like I felt like this was one or the other here for the Browns. So sure enough, they did get him involved early. I'll talk about that in a second. Before I get to that though, I'm recording this on July 24th. All right. And there's three important anniversaries I want to talk about really quick. Two are just kind of in passing like, wow, okay. Today, July 24th, 
1983, woo, long time ago, 37 years ago, George Brett pine, pine tar incident against the Yankees. For some of you younger viewers, younger listeners, you don't know what the pine tar incident is, go back and watch the YouTube video, George Brett pine tar incident of him running out of the dugout and going after an umpire at Yankee Stadium. It was, he hit a home run, big home run in the game, but they basically, the Yankees complained that he had too much pine tar on his bat. So they measured it, and sure enough, it's like in hockey having a curve that's, you know, it's too much of a curve. And you take the uh, the measuring tool and you see, oh, how much of a curve is it, right? And the guy has to take a penalty because he does. This was after the home run was hit. Billy Martin, the manager, comes out, complains. They measure it, and he gets called out. Home run doesn't count. And it was crazy. You've never seen anybody, even to this day, maybe go off on an umpire, an official, the way that George Brett did storming out of the dugout. And it's hilarious. And it's a, it's a big day in baseball, basically. It's also a big day here in Buffalo baseball, speaking of baseball, that it was announced today, just literally like an hour before I'm recording this, that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to play their home games at Salem Field in Buffalo in 2020. How amazing and cool and weird is that? Now, fans can't go to the games. I get it. But it's still cool to have Buffalo as a major league team for one summer. That's what they are. They're, you're going to see Buffalo on Major League highlights and telecasts and all those kinds of things and written and datelines and papers and articles. And that's pretty cool. You know, they, they, they wanted Buffalo. They said, eh, the lighting isn't that great for TV. Um, they also then had some players say, we, we, we don't want to do Buffalo because the footprint just doesn't allow us to have what we normally have for amenities as far as Major League players are concerned, clubhouse space, uh, batting cages, training facilities, things like that. You totally understand that from a player standpoint. So they said, all right, let's try Pittsburgh PNC Park. Pennsylvania governor said, nope, not going to let that happen. Then they tried Baltimore, share their park with the Orioles. Nope. Their governor basically said that's not going to happen down in Maryland. Um, They were even thinking about going to each team's individual ballpark when they were supposed to be the home team, but make it a road game. But then, you know, play the game as if they're the home team and bat last. That didn't work out. So they're back to Buffalo. So even though the, you know, the city of Buffalo is kind of what third, fourth, fifth on the list after being first and rejected anyway, they're going to come. I just think it's cool. And there's some Buffalo Blue Jays logos floating around has the red standing Buffalo up there. I think that's cool as well. So that's going to be uh, something interesting to watch as we go forward here. And then finally, another anniversary that I want to talk about real quick. I didn't realize till I saw it, someone tweeted it today. It is the, um, it would be, I guess the 16th anniversary of the Yankees-Red Sox brawl with A-Rod and Jason Veritek going at it. And I think that was the same one with um, Don Zimmer, right? And Pedro? I'm not even sure on that, to be honest with you. I think it was the same one, but either way, uh, a lot of different anniversaries here on July 24th. So speaking of Twitter, I'm on Twitter, at Sal Sports. I think you already know that, but if not, uh, now you know. And we're going to get into more Bill stuff as we go on WGR Sports Radio 550. I'll be on there morning and afternoon a lot with the uh, camp stuff coming up. Bill's rookies, quarterbacks, and injured players have all reported to camp for COVID testing. They have to have two negative tests in a 72-hour period before they can then report to camp officially for their physicals and other football-related activity. Veterans will report on Tuesday, do the same thing. So that means 72 hours from there is when the veterans would be able to clear both tests. If they do, they can report, and you know that would put the, the date basically around August 1st. Then after that, who knows? Conditioning running, stretching, lifting weights for a couple of weeks, then some football stuff, helmets, 
Then pads come on 20 days in. So there's a lot to be decided here. So just giving you updated, keeping you updated on all of that. Of course, stay tuned to WGR Sports Radio 550. Follow me along on Twitter, at Sal Sports, right here on the podcast. We'll have whatever is uh, news and coming down for you. Okay, time to get into this Browns game. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I just said a lot about what happened going into the game, how I felt about the game, and then you get to the game. And I remember it was just not a great day in Cleveland. It was kind of dreary. Um, you know, their stadium right by the lake. It's, it's you know, in, in football circles, in NFL circles, it's kind of a newer stadium, right? They, when they came back in the league, it's 20 years old now. When they came back in the league, 21 years old. But it's still relatively newer in football circles as far as, you know, NFL stadiums and being built. There's been a few since then. But it's never been a really great stadium. It, it was kind of, it's kind of a no-frills type of newer stadium when they built it. Same with Pittsburgh. Uh, but it's right on the lake there. And it's, it's co- a cool setting. But when that when the storms roll in, when it's a little bit dreary and you, you get some lake effect in the winter, this wasn't the winter yet. Uh, this game took place on November 10th, but it was still, I remember, a little colder, chillier, a little rainier. Typical kind of Bills, Browns, Rust Belt, Lake Erie, Cleveland game. And they get into the game. I told you all about, you know, going into the game, what was going on, setting the stage for both teams. From there, the Browns get the ball to start the game. We just talked about Beckham not getting him involved. That was a big story. First play of the game, they go deep. They go deep to Odell Beckham Jr. Remember that? He actually had a step on Trey White. But Baker Mayfield, who didn't have a really good sophomore season, who hadn't been able to connect with Beckham a lot, he overthrows him. So that was kind of like the first indication you had that said, all right, they're going to get Beckham involved as early and as often as they can. The other thing, though, was the Bills, remember, as we've talked about here, their run defense had been pretty leaky the last few weeks and pretty much for the whole season. So you also knew that the Browns are going to come in trying to run the ball with Nick Chubb. And sure enough, the next play, huge run by Chubb. He gets a first down and more. They're off and running. The Browns, in fact, go right down the field on the very first drive, and they score a touchdown really quickly, like like two minutes into the game. And it's Jarvis Landry. And that would have been a theme throughout the rest of the game because Landry catches a ball over Levi Wallace. It's a great catch by Landry. Hardly even sees the ball coming. Levi actually... You know, he doesn't have great coverage, but his back is turned, but he's, he's all over him, but he doesn't see the ball. He doesn't turn his back, his head. And Landry kind of does one of those, I'm going to catch it right at your head, even before you turn. And he does. It was a really nice catch by Landry. He taunted Wallace right after the play, though. That resulted in a penalty. And then the Bills smartly took the penalty on the extra point, causing a longer extra point, And it was no good. So the Bills were only down 6 nothing, even though they were actually scored on in the game very early on. Uh, the Browns, like I said, scored about two minutes in. Now suddenly, here we go. Bills down 6 nothing. They're going to get the ball. Let me get the exact time. I think it was like 14, 15, it might even been less than two minutes in. Um, it was with uh, 12.09, so that I, I was wrong. It's three minutes in, less than three minutes in. So the Bills are down 6 nothing at this point. You know what they do on the first play? They go deep as well. And again, it's incomplete. Kind of the exact same way the Browns did. They go deep down the right side. The Bills go deep down the right side. This one, however, to Robert Foster, who really hadn't been getting involved. He had not had a catch all year until this game a little bit later. But he had had a catch all year coming into this game, Robert Foster, after he had such a a really nice back half of his rookie year. The Bills go deep. First play of the game, it's incomplete. But on the play, the Bills get a pass interference call called against the Browns. So not only... Do they go deep to Robert Foster to try and get him involved? They actually get set up very nicely right away. They get down inside Brown's territory. But the problem was they get down to fourth down. So let me just walk you through the play-by-play here. 
the Bills go deep on the very first play, it's incomplete to Robert Foster. That set them up at the Browns' um, 45-yard line. On the next play, Patrick DeMarco catches it for two yards. On the next play, Devin Singletary runs for four yards. Josh Allen, on a third and four, goes to Dawson Knox. It's incomplete, and you could even say maybe Knox should have caught this one. There's one of those where uh, kind of bounced off his hands. Uh, it was not a totally easy catch, but definitely could make that argument. So the Bills are set up fourth and four at the Browns 39. This is one of those times where you say the Bills had so many opportunities to cash in. They didn't. Fourth and four, first drive of the game for the Bills, down by six at the Browns 39. You're looking at way too long of a field goal here. Like this would have been what? A 56 yard field goal from this spot. So the Bills decide to go for it. And holy cow, John Brown is wide open. I mean, he's wide open on a crossing pattern across the middle. And Allen, I can't tell. If you go back and watch, you can't tell if he gets his arm hit as he's thrown or not. It could have been. It might not have been. It might have been kind of right there before he gets hit. But Allen throws it behind John Brown, and it's incomplete. And Brown is upset. He gets up, and he's kind of screaming. You could tell he's upset at the pass, upset at Allen. You know, but again, I don't. You know, he didn't like get in Allen's face or anything. But he was upset about it. And if you go back and watch, and this is one of those ones I actually watched in the coach's film to try and see if I could tell. I can't tell if Allen actually got his arm hit before he threw it to John Brown, but it's clearly an opportunity the Bills blow. They give it right back to the Browns after being set up perfectly. And not only that, John Brown not only was open, if he catches the ball, he's probably getting down inside at least the 15-yard line, maybe even closer. Maybe even speed gets him into the end zone. I mean, uh, he's, he's crossing, and there's really nobody but the safety that's left home after that. So that's kind of how the, the game starts off. And you see the Bills already giving the Browns opportunities here. So the teams go back and forth. The next big thing that happens is the goal line stand. This is late first quarter. And the Browns, this is on the next drive, by the way. The Browns get the ball with 10 minutes left. They take seven minutes off the clock. They get down into Bills territory. And this is one of the greatest goal line stands you will ever see in all of football. You know why? Because it went, let me count the plays. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight plays from the one-yard line, one-yard line, two-yard line, one-yard line, one-yard line, one-yard line, one-yard line, one-yard line. Why so many? Because there were two penalties on the Bills, both for pass interference that wound up giving the Browns an extra set of downs, essentially, from the one-yard line, both in the end zone. An amazing goal line stand on first down from the Bills one yard line. Sure enough, they go to Odell Beckham. He is he he had Jordan Poyer beat who got turned around. Jordan Poyer grabs Odell, gets called for pass interference. All right, back to a first down at the Bills one yard line. Nick Chubb stopped for minus one yard. Second down at the two. Nick Chubb stopped for a yard. Third down at the Bills one yard line. Now they throw the fade to Odell right corner. Tredavious White gets called for pass interference this time. So let's put him back at the one-yard line, first and goal. The Bills had already stopped him four plays, essentially, two penalties, first down and goal, Bills one-yard line, Nick Chubb, he runs for no gain. Second down at the one-yard line, Mayfield goes right to Beckham again. Beautiful, beautiful breakup by Tredavious White in the end zone, knocks it away, second down, gets back. It was a fade pattern. If you remember, you know, White got up, he knocked it right out of his hands. Now they go to third down, third and one. Chubb gets the ball again for no yards. Fourth down and one. The Browns have a decision to make. They've just been stopped 10 straight plays, essentially, at the Bills' one-yard line. 
They might want to kick a field goal, go up 9-0. They elect not to. They elect to go for it. Their red zone offense have been horrible all season long coming into it. And it was here again because the Bills stopped Nick Chubb. Never had a chance. Minus two yards on the play. The Bills take over 11 plays from their own one-yard line. Only one from the two. Ten plays from the one. One play from the two-yard line. Pretty amazing. Bills get the ball at their own two. They get out of dodge. Uh, it's, it's just a really big moment of the game where you figure, my gosh, the Browns now, I just talked about the Bills having opportunities. Here's the Browns who had opportunities, and they didn't cash in. They didn't make it a two-score game. They absolutely could have made it a two-score game. They did not. So th- there were both teams kind of at this point doing this, but looking at it from a Bills perspective and from a Bills lens, I just think they had a lot of opportunities to win this game, and they did not. So now, on the next uh, several series, Robert Foster finally gets into the action. He catches a pass, and I bring that up because it was Foster's first catch of the entire season. They actually started trying to use him in this game a little bit. And after what he did his rookie year, it was really kind of surprising that Foster had wound up where he did on the Bills depth chart for the first eight games of the year. This is the ninth game of the year. It's basically what midway through the second quarter. And Robert Foster finally has his first catch of the entire season on the day. It was his only catch. And it went for 20 yards. It was nice. It was a nice catch. It was a nice throw, nice route uh, by Robert Foster. Nice throw by Josh Allen. Uh, nice catch. It's a 20-yard gain. All right, Bills are in business now. And what it really did was set them up for their first score of the game. I love how they played it. You know, th- there's a lot of talk about Josh Allen not being able to sustain sustain his, you know, touchdowns from the red zone. I did some work on this. I tweeted out some stats recently earlier this week. Josh Allen last year had 11 rushes from the opponent's 10-yard line in. He scored on eight of them, and not all of them were just from the one-yard line. Four of them were from the three-yard line or out. There was a three, there was a six, there was an eight, and in this one, there was a 10-yard run. This is the Bills did a great job. Brian Dable calls basically a spread formation, gets everybody out of the box. Allen out of the shotgun just goes right up the middle, clean touchdown. I mean, Mitch Morris is a lead blocker. He has no one to even block. That's how clean it was and how open it was for Josh Allen to run into the end zone. So Robert Foster with that big catch sets it up. Josh Allen goes for uh, 10 yards into the end zone. And yeah, Allen has been great at running from the uh, red zone. He has 40 career, 40 career red zone carries and 13 of them have, have resulted in touchdowns. That's pretty amazing. Actually, he had last year, like I said, eight out of 11 for touchdowns from the 10-yard line in. So this one here goes for 10 yards, goes for a touchdown. The Bills are up 7-6. And I think at this point, Bills fans are starting to say, okay, yeah, we feel good about it. But now the Browns come back. They kick a field goal. They're up 9-7. The Bills get the ball. They go back down the field. And here we go again. More times where the Bills should have cashed in, but they didn't. And this one, courtesy of Steven Hauschka, only a 34-yard field goal. 34-yard field goal. Can't miss those, but he did. This was the game where we started to say, okay, what's going on here? Are they going to look to replace Steven Hauschka? Should he be on the team? Uh, he's being he's inconsistent. He's not hitting deep uh, field goals anymore. And sure enough, a few weeks later, after some more struggles, the Bills did claim Chase McLaughlin, the kicker, who had been released by the San Francisco 49ers. He being waived, but the Bills did not have a higher priority than the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts wound up getting him instead of the Bills actually getting them, which was super interesting that this was happening. But this was kind of the game where you pointed to, if I remember, you know, yeah, Hauschka had missed a couple kicks earlier in the season, but this game, it really cost them. And again, I'll, I'll talk more about that 
here in just a little while. So the Bills go to halftime and they're losing this game nine to seven. You're kind of feeling okay about it. Not great about the way they're playing necessarily, but all right, they're losing nine to seven. Uh, they're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. And on top of that, you know, it could be a lot worse, but they've, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. The Bills get the ball to start the second half, but they don't do much with it. They have to punt to the Browns. And in fact, speaking of that, there is a, a, a play that I didn't bring up from the first half that I should have. And this is another one of those, I can't believe it. Like they're right there. The Bills punted the ball to the Browns with under two minutes left in the first half. And it was a really nice punt by Corey Bohorquez. It was muffed by Hilliard, the return man for the Browns. And somehow he was able to get back on it, even though uh, Perry was right there for the Bills. Sonoris Perry was, Saran Neal was right there, but he winds up jumping on it at his own 27 yard line. If the Bills grab it there, you know, they're probably scoring right before the half, but that didn't happen. So that's another one of those plays that just didn't go the Bills way. That was more about the Browns kind of doing something wrong. The Bills taking didn't take advantage of uh, Not that the Bills did anything wrong there, but it's another one of those things that just was right there that didn't help out the Bills. But things do start to go their way. Early third quarter, like I said, the Bills punt the ball back to Cleveland after getting it to midfield. Uh, decent punt by Corey Bohorquez. In fact, it gets them down at their own, what, eight-yard line. And, you know, I just talked about this being the game where, you know, eyes started to fixate on Stephen Hauschka and whether or not he could do the job anymore. Well, something else happened in a positive way for a player in this game. This was really a game where I started to see personally, and I think a lot of other people did too, the emergence of Tremaine Edmonds to really start playing faster, seeing things better, and making some plays. And the Bills started using him a little bit more as a blitzer, and they did right here. The first play on offense of the third quarter for the Browns is a shotgun from their own eight-yard line, and Baker Mayfield does not see Tremaine Edmonds coming. And Edmonds gets him right in the end zone, about just maybe a couple feet into the end zone for a safety. A great play by Edmonds, really nice design of the blitz by Leslie Frazier slash Sean McDermott, whoever. And even after this game, I remember talking with Leslie Frazier and asking him, you know, about the emergence of Tremaine Edmonds and how he was starting to play and see things. And he said it, oh yeah, he's starting to see things better, which means he can play faster. And now they started to use him a little bit more as a blitzer in different ways. And it really was a nice play here. So Mayfield gets sacked in the end zone, which means the Bills are tied now. Browns and Bills tied 9-9. And the Bills are getting the ball back from Cleveland. But they don't do much with it again. Uh, they get down to a fourth down. They have to punt it back to the Browns. And the Browns come down. They kick a field goal. There's just... Really not a lot going in the third quarter that's it's 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 starting to look more and more like this is certainly going to come down to the end of the game, which is exactly what wound up happening. So let me give you a couple plays though that could have swung the tide here, but didn't. The Bills get the ball down 12-9 in their own territory, move it out very nicely. They get out to their own 42-yard line, 43-yard line. Josh Allen. Brian Dable dials up a really nice play call where Isaiah McKenzie gets isolated running down the field. He's running free, basically, down the right hash. And there's a guy, but the DB is just trailing him. And McKenzie has like three good steps. This is not a super long pass. It's not a 70-yard pass downfield. It's probably, I don't know, about 30 yards in the air, maybe 35 yards. And Allen just overthrows him completely overthrows him. This, this play is right there for a touchdown. But Allen, as we saw so many times last year, overthrew an open wide receiver down the field. Isaiah McKenzie is clearly wide open for a touchdown. 
Allen misses him. This was on a second down for the Bills' own 43-yard line. And McKenzie is right there. It's easily a touchdown if he catches it, and it's not. But on the play, the Bills get a reprieve because there's a roughing the passer. Now, okay, I also went back and looked. It may have actually impacted the way Josh drew the ball. So it's possible because he did get hit just as he released it, and it was a roughing the passer. Uh, He got hit in the head, actually. So there's no doubt. But, man, you got to take advantage of these kinds of plays. The Bills didn't all game long. Allen didn't all year long on these specific kinds of plays. The Bills do get a first down, though, thanks to the roughing the passer at the Cleveland 42-yard line. They get now into a fourth down situation at the 36-yard line. Now we have the exact same situation that they had in the first quarter. The Bills in the first quarter, first drive. Remember, I just told you a little while ago. Fourth and four from the Cleveland 39. Too long for a field goal. They're going to go for it. And that was when John Brown was wide open over the middle and Allen threw it behind him. Here, fourth and four again from the Cleveland 36. So it's still going to be a really long field goal. But the Bills decide to go for it. And rightfully so, I think. Again, incomplete. Now, this one wasn't as clear. It wasn't like Brown was open over the middle, just like he was last time in the crossing route. This one, Allen is, um, he, he has some guys in his face. He moves around a little bit. He scrambles, tries to stay in the pocket. He throws over the middle. It's incomplete. But again, the Bills just hurting themselves, shooting themselves in the foot, however you want to say it, not able to capitalize on different opportunities. So now the Bills have to play defense again. And you have two big plays on the other side of the ball. The the late third quarter, fourth quarter in this game, just maddening with how many plays that were there for the taking that didn't go their way. How about a third and nine for the Browns? Third and nine at their own 36. Baker Mayfield throws the ball just beyond half uh, midfield. It's like at the Bills' 45-yard line. Tredavious White is there for an easy interception if he gets his hands up. He turns around a little bit too late, just a little bit too late, gets his hands up, the ball gets into his chest, and he drops it, and Jordan Poyer comes and drills Tredavious White. Now, if you remember in the game, I think there were people who said, oh my God, Poyer basically cost Tredavious White the interception. Go back and watch it. It's not really true. White had already dropped it before Poyer hit him, but it certainly could have been either one. If Tredavious White doesn't catch it, Jordan Poyer's right there to catch it, but Poyer basically hits White anyway. White drops the ball even before it gets to him. And again, I'm not, it's it's weird to call it a drop. It's not like he had it in his hands. He kind of turned and just as the ball got there, it went kind of through his hands and to his chest. Not a good throw at all by Baker Mayfield, but this was on a third and nine at midfield. The Bills had a chance to get the ball. They don't get the ball right there because Cleveland has to has a chance now to punt the ball away. That's exactly what they do. The two teams trade punts after that. The Bills get the ball down by three points with 9-10 left right around midfield. Josh Allen, strike to Dawson Knox, 21 yards. Really nice play as Dawson Knox is crossing across the middle. The Bills get down to the one-yard line, and there's Old Faithful again, Josh Allen from the one-yard line, diving in after Frank Gore had actually scored, but it was reversed. They said his um, his knee had hit the ground and the ball hadn't broke the, the plane of the goal line. Josh Allen goes in from one yard out. The Bills are back up. Now it's 16-12, to 12, and there's only 5-21 left in the game. Let's remember that. The Bills, with this really great defense, are up by four points, and there's only six minutes left in the game against a Cleveland team that really hasn't been able to get off the mat all year and only has 12 points in this game. I think you're feeling really good about the Bills' chances at this point. And sure enough, the first few plays, Baker Mayfield, short right for one yard, sets up a second and nine. 
They do get a first down in the next play. They get it to Odell Beckham Jr. Next play, three-yard pass, uh, Kareem Hunt. It's second and seven. Maybe the play of the game right here. Play of the game because it didn't count. This play seals the game for the Bills, but because of the actual result, the Browns wind up winning in the end. It's second and seven. Cleveland has the ball at their own 35-yard line. Bills are winning 16-12. to 12. There's only 349 left in the game. The Browns run a little jet sweep action with Kareem Hunt running in front of Baker Mayfield on a shotgun. Mayfield, this is what teams do, and this is smart. You don't want to hand it off because if it's dropped, it's a fumble. You want to throw a pass, basically, because, and the Bills have done this many times, because if it drops, it's an incomplete pass. But Mayfield doesn't actually shuffle pass it. He takes his hands and he tosses it, like, up in the air, straight up in the air. His arm doesn't actually go forward. His arm goes up and down, actually. His, imagine it, and I'm sure you can probably remember this, but if not, his palm is facing up. The bottom of his hand is down. He tosses it up in the air for Kareem Hunt. But Hunt runs by the ball. And it comes down, it bounces one time, and Jerry Hughes takes off running the other way for a touchdown, a 30-yard touchdown. That's it. It's over. The Bills get a defensive touchdown, their first of the year. They're going to win the game. They're already up four. This one's going to put them up 11, basically. Game over, essentially, right? Hold on. Of course, they have to review. All scores are reviewed. And there was this was controversy. And look, I'm here to tell you, I understand the rule. I know why. I just explained it. Why teams do it that way instead of handing it off? Why is shuffle pass it? This wasn't a shuffle pass. The issue I had with this particular call was Mayfield never actually shuffle pass it. All he did was toss the ball up in the air on a little motion from his hand being facing his palm facing up and tossing it up in the air. But they did wind up saying it was an incomplete pass because of that, because the ball was in and the referee actually said his arm went forward. I don't think it went forward. I, I totally get the call. I'm just saying I think it's a little bit different than what you normally see in that call, and it could have gone either way, and they could have given the Bills the touchdown, and if they did, they would win the game. That does not excuse what happened after that, though, because Cleveland now is a third and seven from the from their own 35-yard line, and then Mayfield gets it to Kareem Hunt for nine yards, and then after that, Nick Chubb runs for 21 yards. I got to tell you, after that play, Jerry Hughes, that it did not go, I thought the Bills' defense just kind of they seemed for a few plays like they were thinking about that too much it seemed like they were deflated looking a little bit lifeless uh just did not look like the typical defense they had been playing for most of that second half and it gave the browns new life and it kind of really took the air out of the bills defense they started getting uh the browns did yards in big chunks as i said and sure enough another one now they're first and 10 bills 35 yard line beckham catches the ball they have a second and six from the bills 31 and this was the the backbreaker and here we go again it's jarvis landry who just ate the bills up all day we talked about this said it in the beginning said it a couple times he had that first catch for the touchdown he had beat levi wallace most of the game, Levi Wallace winds up having to split snaps after this game with Kevin Johnson because of how badly he seemed to get beaten all game. Jarvis Landry in this game, 10 targets, 9 catches on 10 targets. It's a 97, 90% catch rate on those targets for 97 yards. So he just, he really hurt the Bills all day. Uh, he hurt Levi Wallace. And on this particular pass, uh, give him a lot of credit though. This wasn't really on Wallace necessarily getting beat. Sure enough, he did. But Jarvis Landry made a, a heck of a catch. He was looking over his right shoulder and at the last second, he had to turn over his left shoulder because that's where Mayfield placed the ball perfectly. He wound up catching it just as he's going out of bounds, and that set the Browns up. A couple plays later, 
Rashard Higgins against guess who? Levi Wallace. He wasn't even on Jarvis Landry on the touchdown. Rashard Higgins catches his only ball of the game, and it goes for a touchdown back of the end zone. Browns lead this one after this. And, and again, let's go back to the entire drive. Backbreaker for the, the Bills not to have the touchdown go their way. The Browns take advantage. The Bills' defense looks deflated. No excuse for them to you know, still get the chunks of yards that they did, but I think that was part of the reason at least. And then Levi Wallace not being able to cover Jarvis Landry all day. Levi Wallace getting beat on the t- touchdown. Rashard Higgins, he scores. Browns lead the game 19-16. to But hey, there's still how much time left in this game? 144 when the Bills get it. 144 left. Allen's had a couple fourth quarter comebacks already. We know that. And the game is still certainly not over. The Bills are getting the ball on what could be a final game-winning drive or game-tying drive to send it to overtime. They're only down three. They only need a field goal. Yes, Hauschka has struggled, but they're going to try and put themselves in a position to at least get a touchdown, uh, to at least get a field goal to tie it, send it to overtime. If not, then to get a touchdown to try and win the game. They start off their own 25 after a touchback. Things do not go well right away. Devin Singletary incomplete. Devin Singletary, two yards on a pass. But on third and eight, Josh, great pass to John Brown. Really nice route, just fires it in there. John Brown, 21 yards. Now the Bills are in business. They're already up close to midfield. Next play, they do They do their own little you know, shuffle pass, basically. Isaiah McKenzie, he runs for 11 yards, gets out of bounds. Bills now at the 41-yard line. They're getting closer. They're not quite in field goal territory yet. Next play, Incomplete to Singletary. It's knocked down. It actually worked out good for the Bills because if he catches it, lots of times running off uh, the clock, but it wound up falling incomplete. Here's where the crux of the end of the game started happening. Second and 10, Cleveland 41. Josh Allen throws it to Devin Singletary. Catches the ball. All he has to do is get out of bounds. The Bills are setting themselves up nicely, at least for a field goal attempt, if not to try and get a touchdown. But Singletary... He tries to stay in bounds for some reason, which he shouldn't. He realized he shouldn't. Then he tries to go out of bounds. But by doing that, he slips. He gets tackled just before he gets out of bounds. In fact, I even think it was close and maybe the clock should have stopped. But they didn't stop the clock. They say he doesn't get out of bounds. The Bills are saving their last time out. They could have taken it right there. They did not do that. They wind up uh, huddling up after they decide not to huddle up. So what's happening is Singletary doesn't get tackled out of bounds or gets tackled inbounds. The clock is still winding. The Bills are at the 35. They have a third and four. There's 40-something seconds left. 30, 35, I should say, 34, 33. The Bills are ready to go. But for some reason, Allen basically huddles them back up. And then they go back to the line and they don't get their next snap off till there's 26 seconds left in regulation. That means 33 seconds went off the clock basically between the one play and then the next play. So it had to be about, what, 20-something, 25 seconds after Singletary is tackled inbounds. No excuse for it. I go on WGR the next day. Mike Schoep and I are arguing about it. We got into it. You can go back and find the audio. It was a, it was respectful between us because, you know, that's what happens. We were arguing about it. He He had his own version of how it went down. I had my version of how it went down, trying to explain it. And one thing I'll tell you is the Bills were ready to go. Like they huddled back up because what seemed to me, what had to be the case here was Dable didn't like the play he had called because it was third and four. So he had them huddle back up and they went to a new play. 
because the Bills were ready to go on the ball. The guys were kind of lining up in their spots on the offensive line, and then suddenly it's like, nope, come back to the huddle, come back to the huddle. And even the announcers on the game said, why are they huddling up? It just did not make sense for the Bills to huddle up in this situation. Okay, and even if you're going to huddle, first of all, they should have called timeout if that was the case. You don't have to save your timeout. You have other ways to stop the clock if you get down in that situation. But even if you're going to go through that process, you got to come up with a better play than what they did on third and four from the Cleveland 35. Allen throws the ball, basically a back shoulder fade to John Brown one-on-one. It was kind of just like throwing it up haphazardly. Ah, if Brown can get it, he can get it. And it just was a, a really disjointed sequence going back all the way to when there was one minute left. Bills have a second and 10 at the 41. Singletary should have gone out of bounds. He didn't. And they try to go out of bounds. He gets tackled before he goes out of bounds. The official continues to wind the clock, whether he should or shouldn't. He did continue to wind the clock. The Bills, they go up to not huddle. Then they decide they want to huddle. That winds up wasting at least a good 15 to 20 seconds. By the time they get the next playoff, there's 26 seconds left on the clock. Then it's an incomplete. Then it's a fourth down. Now they have to kick a field goal. Here comes Steven Hauschka. It's a long field goal, and Hauschka misses it. 53 yards. No good. I think it might have been a little short. It was wide left officially in the game book, but from the angle, I think it might have been short too from what I remember. And the Bills lose a game. To me, they should not have lost. But that end of game sequence really resonated for a long time. That fourth quarter was wild. So much happened in that fourth quarter. From It started with Tredavious White's dropped interception. Then it was the Bills with the lead, Jerry Hughes scoring a touchdown, and the ball and the play getting reversed and some controversy about whether or not it should have been reversed. Then it was the Browns moving down the field right after that, and then Jarvis Landry beating Levi Wallace again, and then the Browns scoring, and Jarvis Landry, and this time it was Richard Higgins beating Levi Wallace for the touchdown after Landry did. Then the Bills get the ball, and then the end of sequence happens. There was so much that happened in that fourth quarter. It was just a a back-and-forth game all day long. The Bills, to me, were the better team. They should have won the game. The way the Browns had been playing, the way they were reeling, the way they were pressing, I think the Bills just had made too many mistakes in this game. And, you know, you say that from a Bills perspective and a Bills lens, I don't want to take anything away from Cleveland. I mean, they did what they had to do to win the game. But to me, I was asked recently on WGR by Mike Shope, was this a bad loss? Because he knew I was doing this game next in this series. I said, yeah, it was a bad loss. It was a bad loss because the Bills should have won. They should have won this game with the way everything went down, but they didn't. And they fall to six and three in this game, but they have Miami on the horizon. They're still in a good spot, but this was a tough game to rewatch a tough game for people to watch originally, of course. And there was a lot of talk about this game. The bills do not play Cleveland again this year. It would be interesting if they did. The Browns have a new coach again. Uh, Baker Mayfield, can he get out of his you know, sophomore slump and get back to where he was his rookie year at least? They still have all that talent with Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, with Nick Chubb. So the Browns, they have an interesting, you know, set of circumstances on their own going into 2020. But to me, this game resonates and it will because the Bills won't have a chance to have that revenge, so to speak, playing the Browns again in 2020. So that's a look back at a very frustrating game between the Bills and the Cleveland Browns, which dropped the Bills to six and three on the 2019 season. So do it with it, do with it what you will, burn the tape, throw it away, sear it out of your memory, or just be frustrated about it again until maybe the Bills do play the Browns uh, again in the future in 2021, or who knows, playoffs in 2020, or whenever that may be. Thanks for coming aboard, Sal Sports and Stuff podcast again, the Bills 2019 Rewind. Don't forget to download WGR550.com, listen to it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, that's where you can subscribe to it. I appreciate that. Throw me a nice review. I appreciate all of you that come aboard at Sal Sports on Twitter as well. And 
Don't forget to stay tuned to WGR Sports Radio 550, whether that's on your radio, on your Alexa. All you got to do is say, Alexa, play WGR 550, radio.com on the app, however it is. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.